0: If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. These powerful words found in Paul's letter to the Colossians remind us of our new identity in Christ. As Christians, we are raised, seated, and hidden in Christ. One day, we will also appear with him in glory. The devil is the father of lies, and that also makes him an identity thief. The last thing he wants you to know is your true identity in Christ. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian. Thanks so much for stopping by. And let me ask you, are you seeking the kingdom of God above all else? Today, Ron reminds us that it's those who think most of the next world who do the most good in this one. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Your New Identity in Christ.
0: Now the question is, How do we live out that identity? It's not enough just to learn about it, but how do we live it out? By the way, I just want you to put by those first five words the word reality, all right? Because again, these are present realities. But by the next part of uh, the message this morning, I want you to put the word responsibility. Because knowing who we are in Christ leads to some responsibilities in terms of how we live out our new identity in Christ, and Paul makes this very clear. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Uh, the first responsibility he gives us is to put heaven's priorities into daily practice. In light of who we are in Christ, you're going to have to reprioritize your life and put heaven's priorities first. Uh, go back to verse 1 where he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, here it is, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Just circle that word, seek. And it speaks of those those priorities of heaven that we're to put into daily practice. makes me think of something Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, where he waxes eloquently about things related to uh, worry, And he describes worry and all the things we worry about in this life, and he tells us how foolish it is to worry about, you know, the clothes that we'll wear and the food that we'll eat, all the things that keep us up at night. And then he concludes that little teaching by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All the things we worry about. You get your priorities right, and you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and God promises to take care of the rest. He really does. Uh, In Colossians, Paul says, seek the things that are above. What are you seeking most in your life? Let me draw some contrast between heaven's priorities and earth's priorities, starting with this, thy kingdom above my kingdom. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now's the time to just, you know, do a little inventory in your life and ask yourself an honest question. Don't think about the person to your left or, or to your right. Think about yourself and say, am I more about thy kingdom come, thy will be done, or, or am I more about my kingdom and my will? Uh, am I trying to get, you know, heaven to do in my little corner of the earth what I want done, or, or am, I, am I asking God to bring, bring heaven to, to my will and to, to my priorities? How about this one? Self-denial above self-indulgence. Didn't Jesus tell us, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me, right? Now, last week we talked about self-denial from Colossians chapter 2, and we said there's an extreme version of self-denial. It's called asceticism which led to monasticism, which was the building of the monasteries and all of that in church history. And there are some people who believe that, you know, I I, I need to to practice self-denial and they do damage to their body and they isolate themselves from the world and all. That's called asceticism. And Paul says, that's not the real substance of your faith. You know, don't go to that extreme. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Self-denial is fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Again, time of self-examination and inventory. What have you denied yourself recently, maybe even delayed the gratification of, in order to advance the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God in this world? That's a a convicting question, I know. But if we're going to put heaven's priorities into daily practice as a result of who we are in Christ, well… We have to pursue self-denial above self-indulgence. The world's priorities is self-indulgence. You hear it every day through all the advertisements, and you might as well give yourself a break today and do it today because, you know, you're just all about you is the message we get from the world. And Jesus says, no, you got to flip that around. It's about self-denial. Here's another comparison and contrast. Uh, giving above getting. Have you figured this out yet? I mean, heaven's priority is about the giving of our time and our talents, and yes, our money, our treasure. The world's all about getting. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid and get your paws off my stuff. That's the that's way we live, right? That's what the world tells us. But it's not, it's not becoming of a Christian who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, certainly one who understands his identity in Christ to be all about getting and a grouch when it comes to giving. Come on now. We're to be growing in the grace of giving because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Are you becoming more and more like Christ because you're putting heaven's priorities in the daily practice, including giving above getting? How about serving above ruling? Jesus said, you know, the the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who serves. And then how about forgiving above avenging? I'm just listing out some of the priorities of heaven and asking ourselves, because of who we are in Christ, isn't it time to put heaven's priorities into daily practice? Secondly, we got to think on the eternal, not the temporal. So go back to Colossians 3, and Paul says in verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In light of who you are in Christ, You've died, you've been raised, you're seated, you're hidden, you're glorified in Christ. In light of that, set your mind on the things above. So here's the question. What are you thinking about? Where did you spend most of your intellectual time this week? What did you fill your mind with? Eternal things or things that are not going to last? I think of the uh, person who said it this way, you you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. Starts with the first thought.
1: Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If it's been a while since you stopped by our website, somethinggoodradio.org, you may want to pay us a visit. We've released a new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org.
0: The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California.
1: Get your kicks on Route 66.
0: Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the Biblical Route 66. Join me
1: on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 e-books. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience? And what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace
0: of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, My relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy
1: Spirit. Stop by SomethingGoodRadio.org and request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get you back to the rest of today's message, Your New Identity in Christ. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Proverbs says,
0: as a man, as a woman thinks in his or her heart, so is he. Who you are, how you think about your identity, it starts with the first thought. Maybe those first thoughts are lies that somebody told you about yourself, lies that came from the father of lies. Maybe it's lies that you've conjured up about yourself. Maybe it's a set of circumstances that have made you feel a certain way. And your first thoughts are negative, not positive, they're ungodly, not godly. They're earthly, not heavenly. Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Now, that doesn't mean that we become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good, right? But what it does mean is as we go about our business on this earth, going to work and, you know, looking at our families and taking care of our families and having relationships, that thoughts about heaven and eternity are never far from us. And, in fact, we're, we're thinking about doing all of this in light of eternity. We're asking ourselves those eternal questions. If, if Is what I am doing and giving myself to helping to advance the cause of Christ and helping me to live a life based on eternal things or not? I think Abraham was a good example of this. Remember Abraham in the Old Testament? Abraham was 75 years old. Actually, he was Abram at that time, his wife, Sarai, she was 65, and they were comfortable in their retirement in the Ur of Chaldees. Abraham had done well for himself. He was a wealthy man. Everything, uh, every category by which you would define wealth in terms of your flocks and your goats and all that, Abraham had a lot of it, and he was a very wealthy man. He was going to have a comfortable retirement in what is today modern Iraq, the Ur of Chaldees. It was a pagan country, and Abraham was a pagan man serving pagan gods. But that's when the God of the Bible, the one true God, Yahweh, shows up in Abraham's uh, tent and he says, Abram, I'm calling you out. (laughs) I'm calling you out, and I got plans for you beyond this retirement in the Ur of Chaldees. And Abraham, or Abram, became a Yahweh follower. Now, I would have loved to have been there the day that he uh, turned to his wife, Sarai, and said, uh, honey, we're, we're pulling up the tent pegs, and our retirement's going to look a little bit different. But the writer of Hebrews summarizes Abraham's experience, and he says, he was a man who left the Ur of Chaldees and started moving toward a land of promise a foreign land. Abraham saw himself as a foreigner, as a pilgrim, as a stranger in this world because now he was thinking about heavenly things and eternal things. Uh, Are you too comfortable with this world? Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Problem is too many of us have spent all of our time thinking about earthly things and temporal things. And we become real comfortable with the world in which we live. But the reality is, because we came to faith in Christ, we're now citizens of another world. And because, as citizens of another world, our identity is shaped by heaven and the values, the language, and the purpose of heaven. Don't get too comfortable in this world. Have you ever traveled to a foreign country? When I had the opportunity to do that, I never quite feel at home. I enjoy the experience but I don't feel like it's home. Dorothy was right. There's no place like home. There's no place like home, right? But we should never get so comfortable in this this world where we click our heels together and say, there's no place like earth. that's, That's not the believer in Jesus Christ who sets his affections, another translation says, sets his affections on things above, not on things on this earth. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say of Abraham, that he was now looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. It defines how Abraham had moved from somebody who was all about earthly things and temporal things and now, you know, he he was setting on a course toward heavenly things. I'm just saying if you want to live out your new identity in Christ, you got to think on eternal and not on the temporal. Then finally, make Jesus Christ the focus of your life. Go back again to uh, Colossians 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's the assumption in Paul's words that Christ is your life, that he's the sum total of and the focus of your life. Oh, not just a little appendage over here not just somebody you think about once a week or maybe twice a month when you land in church and you want to think spiritual thoughts for a little while, and then you get back to earthly things. Now he's talking about people who make Jesus Christ the focus of their life. Remember, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will fall into place. But I'll ask you the hard question as I ask myself the hard question. Is Jesus Christ really the focus of our life? Is Jesus Christ your life or is something else like your work? I, I understand you've got to get out there and make a living and make a job, but ha- has it become such a focus, the goals you've set for yourself, that Christ has become secondary? Uh, may- maybe it's not your work. Maybe it's sports or travel or family. Dare I say that family should not be the first priority in your life? Well, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your mother, your father, your brother, and your sister. I come first, Jesus says. And your love for me and your loyalty to me and your devotion to me ought to be so strong and so singular and so focused (laughs) that if you had to make a choice between me or your own family, there'd be no question you'd follow me. Or maybe it's money, and the things that money will buy. I mean, This is just time for an honest, gut-wrenching assessment, is it not? Is Christ your life? If He is, He promises to take care of the rest. It will all fall into place. And your, your identity will be shaped and formed in Him. So I ask you the question one more time. May I have your ID, please? This time reach into the other pocket or the other place and pull out the one that defines who you are in Christ and then begin to live out that identity, putting heaven's priorities into your daily practice. Really examining what you're spending the most time thinking about and then making Christ the real focus of your life.
1: Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Your New Identity in Christ. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, you mentioned the phrase hidden in Christ earlier today, and it reminded me of what God said about Abraham, that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's how it is with us when we believe on the name of Jesus Christ, is it not? That's exactly right, Brian. You know, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus
0: Christ, he or she is saying, I recognize I cannot earn my way into heaven, but I believe what God says about salvation, namely that Jesus has earned it on my behalf. Now, once we express faith that way, God no longer views us through the lens of human performance, the lens of the law, as it were. He views us through the lens of his own performance, that is, the completed work of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is appropriated to us, given to us as a free gift. And it's rooted in belief, not behavior. That is why the gospel is such good news, Brian. The debt for our sin is death, and Jesus paid that debt for us on the cross. God has said it, and when we believe it, we are then hidden in Christ, so that when God looks at us, he sees not our own performance,
1: but the performance of his Son. That really is good news, Ron. But I wonder, why do so many Christians live with guilt and self-condemnation when the truth is we are no longer condemned?
0: Well, Brian, we still have three ever-present enemies here with us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Before I comment on those, let me just say this. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to bring the conviction of sin to our hearts when there is something in us that is not rightly related to Him. So we must always uh, leave room for that. Uh, But back to the world, the flesh, and the devil, the devil will lie to us and try to convince us that we're not good enough or that God is disappointed in us, and our flesh sometimes buys the lie. So I encourage anyone listening today who may be struggling with self-condemnation, anyone living under a cloud of guilt, to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 3 and just live there for a few days. Dive into what it means to be hidden in Christ, what it means to have a brand new identity in Christ. And I can all but promise you, you won't continue to live in self-condemnation any longer.
1: That's Dr. Ron Jones and some great final thoughts on what it means to be hidden in Christ. Well, Ron, we're almost out of time. But before we go, tell us what's coming up tomorrow when you continue your series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Brian, today I talked about our new identity in Christ, our new
0: self, as it were. So for the next two days, I'm going to talk about how we live out this new identity. And the question I want to ask is, are you dressed for spiritual success? Because the Bible tells us to put on this new self. Think of what that means, Brian. If God is telling us to put something on, that means we already have it in our possession. It's hanging in our spiritual closet, as it were, or folded up in our top drawer. And I'll get into what it means to put on this new self and what it looks like uh, to live out the new self starting tomorrow right here on Something Good Radio.
1: Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, putting on your new self. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.